Well, everybody over here on this side are going to be punished severely. Because I had to move over here because of this cord situation. The microphone without the cord is not working. And somebody sent Elijah a message, where are you when we need you? <laughs> He's the only one that knows how to fix it. Uh, wow, that was tremendous, wasn't it? All the testimonies. The Lord, you know, moving in the outreach uh, in Charlotte and then the Lord moving in the outreach at Lee Park and then all the discipleship. This, the Lord's really raising up in our church. It's really tremendous, isn't it? You know, you know, a lot of times in church we just say about church, you know, coming to church on Sunday. That's ridiculous uh, mindset, you know. It's really not biblical. Uh, it's part of what you do. Really, what we should be doing is celebrating uh, the life that God's given us because we have, how many hours are in seven days? Somebody know that off the top of their head? 158 or 168? That's 100, so we're in here approximately two hours. So you got 166 more hours you got to figure out how to feel, okay, in your life. And somehow or another, God needs to be in all these other 166 hours also. Hopefully he's in these two hours. If he's not, we need to do something different. Be bad, wouldn't it? You know, any two hours that God's not in is a bad two hours. Isn't that right? Amen, Lord. If, you ain't, if you're not in this deal, we're out. Seventy-two hours sleeping. You sleep a lot, Dean. Way too much sleep. Yeah. Amen. Well, everybody deserted me. All my kids and my wife just left, got and walked out. <laughs> we got to go. We ain't gonna listen to you. Anyways, Lord have mercy. Thank you for being here. <laughs> They're all going somewhere. Um, Philippians, can y'all put that up there, please? Um, can I read this verse again to you? Last time I spoke to you, I talked to you about this verse somewhat, and I'm not really finished because I think it's such an important verse in the Bible. Uh, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. And if you remember, if you was here, if you wasn't, really what I talked about is those three aspects of our Christianity, being a, a, a brother or, or a sister, a child of God, being a family, part of God's family is, is necessary for you to be healthy as a Christian. And then for you to be a fellow worker, that you are to, God has called us all to work in His kingdom, in serving His kingdom, is necessary also for you to be, and I think Buzz hit on that real well in his testimony about, you know, get out of the box, go do something, you know, that God's called you to do and things will get exciting. Uh, and then also the fellow soldier. That's very important. I think we're going to see, uh, I believe this, I believe we really need to understand the spiritual climate we're living in the world today. And we are living in a very hostile, increasingly hostile climate. And we are just, spiritual battles are taking place. No matter what you feel about the war in Iraq, whether you you know whether our country did right about going there or not, really the real issue is a spiritual issue. There really is a, a, a and that's just a natural manifestation of what's going on in the spirit realm. We are in a there's a spiritual war going on now, an increasing level, and we really need to begin to see ourselves as soldiers. Every Christian should see themselves as a soldier in God's army, and you know the Bible's real clear on this and gives us a lot of instructions. You know, to be a soldier and to fight the good fight of faith, to, to really know that you are in, engaged in warfare. And if you don't understand that, it doesn't matter. 
uh, in the sense of that doesn't exempt you from service. Whether you understand or not, you, by being in the, in the household of God, you are automatically, you are automatically have been drafted into God's army. And you are going to, you are going to, the enemy's going to come after you. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to, you know, resist the enemy. And, and so we really need to begin to see that these three things are, are necessary for us as Christians. And I believe if we are just all into warfare, and that's our big focus in life, but we don't really understand the, being part of God's family, we're going to be warped as Christians. And you see it, people. They just get all... Or if you're just all into being a family, you know, oh, let's get our little family together and have a picnic, you know, and, and the world around you is going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, that's just warped. You see how we just can get out of balance in our lives so easily and how God has called us to this balancing thing to, to give us help, to give us and to cause us to be victorious and cause us really to be able to live the way He's called us to live in this earth. And we will never live that way unless we have these three things working in us. This right here, this guy Epaphroditus, was an absolute biblical picture of what a real disciple the Lord looked like. That's really the truth. And really that's what God has called us to. You want to get healthy in your life? You want to do the things that are, you're suffering with? I think we're all suffering with stuff to some degree or the other. I believe as we really would enter into all that God asked us to be, some of those things would just start falling off of us. Some of those things would automatically go away. Or in the process of doing it, God would begin to heal you and begin to deliver you and set you free. Because you placed yourself in a position of His care and His position of His will. Other than, you know, just doing what you think you should do or living the Christian life the way you've always been taught. That's the problem. We've been taught wrong. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Anybody believe any of this? <laughs> um, we don't realize how much we're affected by the spiritual climate around us. I mean, we, believe it or not, we are very affected by what's going on spiritually in our town, Mooresville. There's things that are going on in our city of Mooresville, our town of Mooresville, what you want to call it, that affect every Christian in this town, affect every church. And, you know... Sometimes we, we live somewhere, you know, all of us have, if you pay attention, you know, you go to another town that feels different. You know, that's, and you think, man, you know, there's a different spiritual climate here because there's, there's a different, uh, you know, dynamic happening there in that place spiritually. And we have a dynamic that's happening here spiritually that affects you, affects me. And what we have to do is ask the Lord to give us discernment of what's going on where we're at spiritually. You can walk into your neighbor's house and there's a spiritual climate in there. Hey, you, you feel it. You, you, know, you, ever, you ever walked in on, on somebody that were arguing? <laughs> you know, they stopped when you came. They were trying to act like everything was okay, but you felt something like, ugh. Spiritual climate was created because of arguing. And uh, so we need to understand there's a spiritual climate around us that affects us. And not just be a bunch of daggone dopes walking around living on this earth like nothing's going on spiritually and we're just trying to do what we're supposed to do. Well, that's just craziness. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He doesn't want you to, to tune in spiritually and ask God, God, what is going on in Morrisville? What's happening with the spiritual? I bet you would tell you some stuff. I guarantee you would tell you. And he'd tell you for the purpose of prayer or for the purpose of you, for you doing some of the things you need to do. 
we don't really understand how much we're really affected. We really don't. Uh, and the reason I'm sharing that, I have been involved in, you know, with other pastors praying for Mooresville, praying to see what God was doing here. And, and through that, the Lord has really spoken some things to me that I would have never picked up on if I was not asking about it. I would have never known. I thought, wow, you know, I would have never known this thing, what has happened here, is affecting us. It's hurting us. The enemy is trying to deliver some blows to us. You know, right now in our city, we are going through a major spiritual shift in Morrisville. A major spiritual shift. And it is, it's been going on for a while. We've had, in the last year, there have been, been two like very significant traditional pastors that have either retired or resigned from their thing. And, you know, oh, okay, well, that guy's retired. Retired now. He's been doing this for however long, 20-something years. Traditional church, very strong church in Mooresville, traditionally. Another resigned, felt like he was just burned out and tired. Very strong church. And we don't realize there's something spiritual behind that. That, you know, it's like a changing of the guard that's, that's taking place. And there's this transition that's happening spiritually. See, those things are real, whether we believe it or not. They're real, and we need to be able to understand the spiritual climate around us. Just like, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. If you're going to be outside a lot, you might want to wear an umbrella, bring an umbrella or wear a hat. You know, that's, that's really what you're trying to do is, is so you can live in the climate that you're in and be prepared to deal with, with the things that you need to deal with with the climate. If you knew a blizzard was going to hit tomorrow morning, I guarantee you, you know, you'd be ready for it. You'd... You'd have firewood for your fireplace, etc. You hear what I'm saying to you? And we need to, to, to take the heart to pay attention spiritually and not just be just, you know, be, be the same old, same old. Amen? So I'm saying all that stuff for, you know, for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, what I wanted to talk to you actually about this morning, I did talk to you some about being a, in the family of God uh, and being a, a family member how important that is, and, and I, talk, I gave two messages on that. One, like, this is what how family goes bad. It just gets ingrown, and all these bad things happen to it, uh, you know, and you become self-focused. And then I talked to you about division in family, how, to re, you know, how God wants to repair families, how God wants to remove division. Um, so what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is about being a worker, but here's, here's if you can, just imagine yourself in this verse here. Just imagine. This is what I look at this verse. You're standing in the middle of that verse and you're looking at the Christian life. Okay? And you're going to look at it through this lens of the way God wants you to see it. Because God is not interested in us seeing our Christianity through us being workers. If, if that's our lens, then we have a bad lens. In other words, we need to first see ourselves as a family member of God, as a child of God. Amen? And once we begin to see that, see what... The, I mentioned this to you. The popular book, The Purpose Driven Life. What is my purpose in this life? You know, what is my purpose? Why did God place me here on this earth? I mean, isn't that the, the popular question of our culture? That all our culture is seeking for, the, you know, has become such a, a... And it is a very important question that needs to be answered. Um, there's a book called um, Waking the Dead. Okay? Wait, y'all know that book. Scott and I are going through that book just together to see what the Lord speaks to us in it. And uh, one of the things in there he talks about was he asked the Lord a question. 
And the question was this, who am I, Lord? Who am I? And, uh, you know, basically in the chapter, in that chapter book, it was encouraging people that everybody needs to ask God that question. So, oh, man, I'll just ask the Lord that. You know, I'm doing the book. You know, let me just ask the Lord this question, who I am. Who am I, Lord? And he gave the example when he asked the question, the guy who wrote the book, John Eldridge, um, the Lord spoke to him, William Wallace. Everybody knows who William Wallace is. You know, the Braveheart guy, the movie Braveheart. You know, cool man, you know, Braveheart. You know, he's a real tail kicker and, you know, <laughs> tough guy. And, you know, John Eldridge, if you ever saw him, I could see why God would have to tell him that. He's sort of a small man, you know. He probably got picked on a lot in school. And he probably needs to see, he needs God to assure him that he was, he's the, I'm the man. You know, you mess with me, I'm going to chop you down kind of thing. I thought that was pretty cool. The Lord spoke that to him. Um, also, there's a lady, a testimony of a lady in the book. The Lord called, she asked the Lord that question. He said, your sunshine. Evidently, this woman thought that um, she was, um, you know, bad news. That's sort of what she thought. People didn't like her. And, I mean, the Lord started speaking sunshine to her. Everywhere she went, people were saying, man, you just, you're just sunshine. You bring sunshine to my life. And really ministered to this woman. It was really a, just a wonderful thing for this person to hear God call, you know, they've probably all their life been called like something else. Finally, you know, they're hearing something that's giving them life instead of beating them down. Blessing them instead of hurting them. And so I thought, well, I'm going to ask the Lord this question. See what he'll tell me. And so I started praying and asked the Lord and I prayed about it and just got still before the Lord and the scriptures started coming to my mind. I think and no, Lord, I mean, I'm looking for this William Wallace, you know, kind of thing. I don't even want to know about that scripture, you know. So I just thought, man, that's just me. So I dismissed myself from that with the Lord and went on about this. But over several days, I prayed that prayer. Lord, who do you say that I am? Lord, who am I? Really, I'm sure. Well, I need you to tell me. He kept bringing the same scriptures up to my mind every time. And there's a very familiar scriptures, um... In, and it's uh, the parable of the prodigal son. <laughs> who am I, Lord? You're a pro- prodigal son. That's who you are, Byron. Don't you understand that? You're a prodigal. That is not really what he was saying to me. Um, now, the reason I want to share this with you, and I'm sharing it with you in terms of that God's called us to be fellow workers with Christ. Let, let me just back up with me and, and read those scriptures. First Corinthians three nine. We are God's fellow workers. Second Corinthians six one. We then as workers together with Him. Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Clearly, the Bible teaches that God has called us to serve Him. I think it is a must for us. A must. It's not an option. It's not like we get to decide we're going to serve God. And God is saying, you know, that is one of the reasons for your salvation, to serve the living God. That's part of it. And if you're not doing that, then you're missing out on what God puts you on this earth for. You want the purpose-driven life. Part of your purpose is to serve this living God. 
And if you are not serving Him in some real and practical way, you are simply missing what He's put you on this earth for. It's to serve Him. That's what He wants. That's what He desires. Because God's nature is to serve. He's always serving. You understand what I'm saying to you? But the thing that I think that really will mess you up if you don't have this understanding, and I can tell you this because I didn't have the understanding for a long time, is God has called us to understand that we're His sons and daughters before He's called us to understand that we're to serve Him. And that we need to have this real revelation in our heart that we are sons and daughters of God. And I believe out of that, understanding that I'm a true son of God. You see, that's really what God was trying to speak to me through the prodigal son thing. Is listen, Byron, forget the William Wall stuff. That's for somebody else. But for you, you need to get this in your heart and you need to get it real deep and real right right now. Is you are my son. That's who you really are. You know, and if you want to have a tag of, of you know, William Branham, you know, that would be, a, some people think that would be bad. I'd go for some of that stuff, though, but not as teaching. He got off of it when he started trying to be a teacher. But he had a tremendous prophetic miracle meet, uh, anointing on him. But um, besides that, Palmer, <laughs> Palmer gets it. Nobody else does. William Branham was a guy who moved in powerful miracles, and then he decided he heard somebody teaching. He thought, I want to be a teacher. And he taught heresy, basically. He couldn't teach, but he moved in the power of God. So if he just stuck with what God called him to do, then it never got messed up. That's the story. He was in a, a terrible automobile accident, was dying. The guy with him was dying. He laid hands on the guy that was dying with him, and he was healed instantly and raised up. And he went on and died. He was through. God said, you're out of here, pal. You're leading people astray. That's, isn't that crazy how God works? You know, you lay hands on yourself and get healed. <laughs> I mean, it really happened. But he was a tremendous, you know, when he was really doing what God called him to do. Um, but anyway, what God was really trying to bring home into my heart is this whole issue of having a deep understanding of being his son. And without that deep understanding, that's why I'm saying look at the Scripture through the lens of brother before worker before soldier. And if you can get that, then the worker, the soldier thing works. If you can't get it, the worker, soldier thing will never really work in your life. You keep going back, square one, over and over and over until you really get it. So really that's what the Lord was saying to me that day. Who am I, Lord? And he said the parable of the prodigal son because I have honestly been a prodigal son at times in my life. I mean, when I, my first few years as a Christian, y'all would have hated me because my heart was so weak and I was so lusting after the world. I was on the outside doing everything right, but I was so pulled towards the world that I was never satisfied with Christianity. I was never satisfied with God. And it really took God to really just reveal Himself to me to break that prodigal heart in me. And I guarantee there's people in this room, you have a prodigal heart this morning. The world is drawing you. You're pulled towards those things. You know, you are just, you know, you are barely hanging in there. You keep going because you know you, it's the right thing to do. But deep inside, you have no real passion for the Lord. I mean, you love Him, He saved you, but you're just drawn to, to sin. You're drawn to, to the things of the flesh. Well, 
let me tell you, I understand that thoroughly. Totally. Totally understand that. Totally. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God can change all that. He can change your heart in a flash. And the way you change it is not beaten, being beaten. The way you change it is, is how this thing happened. And also, the other thing in the, the parable of the prodigal son, the elder brother. You know, I went from being the prodigal to becoming an elder brother. And, and that's no good. In fact, honestly, I think it's worse. Being, being that I've been both, I think, I, would, I think if God said, Byron, you, you, you have two choices in life. You can be a prodigal son or you can be an elder, elder brother son. I think I'd probably say, oh, I'll go with the prodigal deal. You know, I'm going to get messed up, but I'm not going to at least get real messed up and, you know, and be so self-deceived because the Bible never says the elder brother came to revelation. He stayed in his self-deception. He stayed in his self-deception. I'd rather, rather go and be messed up and at least come into a revelation of the truth than live my life and then get to heaven and the Lord say, you, you were messed up in your life. You were wrong in your life. You never saw how wrong you were. And I've also been the prodigal father, a father who had children who just totally betrayed them, left them, went off on their own. And the, the crushing heartbreak that a father feels, or any parent feels, towards a son or a daughter who has forsaken them. And, and I mean literally, totally, 100% cut themselves off and forsook you. Now that is a dirty feeling. That is an awful thing. That is the worst thing you could ever go through that I've gone through. Um, are y'all with me? I hope you're hearing something. But anyway, I want to just read this and tell you, tell you why it's so important to, to see who you are. See that you're a son or daughter of God. Uh, then he said, Luke 15, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them. Everybody say them. He didn't just... I never noticed this before. I've read this thing 70,000 times. He didn't just give the younger brother like we've always been taught his stuff and he took it off. He divided it to them and them is not a mistake. You know, in translation, them literally means that them being the older brother and the younger brother. The father gave them both their inheritance. That's really important here. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possession of prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. He began to be in want. That's what's going to happen to you if you're a prodigal. You're going to get in want. That's a good place to get to, to be in want. In fact, I think some people who haven't went to the foreign land uh, need to be in want. We all need to be in want. We need to be in want. We need to be in, fill our need towards God. I mean, this is so important. Then he went and, but don't do this, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed, his, to feed the swine. That's pretty bad. Okay, especially if you're a good Jewish boy, you know you don't even eat bacon, and you know, now you have to feed the hogs. And you ever been around hogs? They're nasty. I mean, that's just the bottom line. They are nastier than chickens. And chickens are nasty. Cows are much, cows are much cleaner than chickens. They really are. You get around a chicken house, the ammonia smell and all that. So that's why I think beef is better than chicken. Just to be honest with you, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servant have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. So that's what will happen to you. You'll start perishing. And that'll be a good thing when that starts happening to you. 
I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. That ain't what we do, is it? We just want to beat the fire out of him when we see him. <laughs> if I could still beat that young, and I would. <laughs> and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatty calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this is... This, my son, was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. And they began to be married. That's tremendous, isn't it? Now his older brother was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Everybody say angry. That is a sign of the elder brother is angry. Anger spirit. You get from that. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. That's God pleading with us. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. This guy, hey, he was a servant. Now you see what's happening with this boy. All these years I've been your slave. Because he didn't really understand that he was really that man's son. He lived in the house. He had the inheritance. It was given to him. But I've been slaving. I did everything you told me to do. I never did anything that you, you know, I never transgressed any of your commandments at any time. Well, you're such a perfect boy. And yet, you never gave me a young goat, gave you your inheritance. Right? But I didn't throw a party for you. That I might make merry with my friends, whoever his friends were. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf of him. And he said, Son, you always, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now, here's the thing. If, if you don't really understand this thing about being a son of God, a daughter of God, you, you're going to be one or the other. You're going to, you could fall into this thing real easy, like this elder brother did. See, he had his inheritance. But he didn't really understand it. He didn't really understand that he was a son. In his mind, he was a slave. In his mind, he was trying to earn something that he already had. You see what I'm saying to you? You'll never be able to serve God correctly. You'll serve God like this man. All these years, I've done this for you. All these years, I've served you. He was mad at God. I've done all this, and what have you done for me? You didn't do this for me. You see, we have so many people who are frustrated with God, are mad with God, who are angry with God. And not only they're angry with God, they're angry with their brothers. The church is full of people who are mad at each other. And I'll tell you, the re one of the reasons is this. These people who are mad and who are doing all this stuff don't understand this thing about being a son or daughter of God. And it creates division. And so we go out, we're going to work and earn this thing and do what God wants us to do. But in our heart, we're filled with vileness. Filled with it. And it creates problems. And the father was saying, Hey, everything I've always had was yours. Didn't you know I gave it to you already? It's yours. But he didn't understand it. See, we don't understand it. And we think, we've got to please God somehow. We've got to get God to accept us. We, you see what I'm saying? Not understanding he already accepts you. And he already says, All I have is yours. 
all I have is yours. And see, once we get a revelation of that, then the person who irritates us to no end, that we want to take it to before and knock them, hit them in the back of our legs and knock them to the ground, we don't feel that way about it anymore. We really don't. It takes away some of this anguish and this anger and this stuff that goes on. Now, the younger brother was a foolish man also. See, he was, he was equally foolish because he took, he took the father's uh, wealth and went out and did stuff with it he shouldn't have done. So he, he was no better in the sense of he didn't really understand his father's heart. See, neither one of them understood the father's heart. The older brother just could not fathom why his father would act that way. And see, this is what happens to you when you become an older brother. You will never understand God. You'll never understand his compassion and the way he feels and the way he thinks it cuts you off from. Just like it did that elder brother. He could not grasp, why would you do this to this guy? Look what he's done to you. That attitude cuts you off from understanding God and understanding his heart. But if you are really walking in true sonship, daughtership, you're going to understand his heart. It's not going to be an issue with you. The younger brother comes back and says, Listen, I'm willing to be a slave on this deal, man. I know I've messed up. I've blown it. You know, but I would rather be a slave. I'd rather be a servant in your house and take my fate upon myself, as David said. And that was really his heart attitude. And the father saw him and fell on his neck and kissed him and loved him, even though he had done wrong. The elder brother wanted to kill him for doing wrong. God said, I'll kiss him because he's come back and he's repented. Now, here's what happened. He gave him these things, and this is one of the things I think we've got to see. Is that word road there? I was looking that thing up in the, in the original language. Word, the, the root word it comes from is to equip, to prepare. That's how they get, I don't know how they get words for roads out of to equip, to prepare, but somehow they did. But really, it really speaks to us. You see, in order for this young man to really serve, he had, to, he had to be equipped for it. He had to be prepared for it. And the way the Father was equipping him and preparing him is saying, no, you're not going to be a servant. You're my son. And he gave him the sandals and he gave him the ring. In those days, the sandals, only slaves went barefooted. Sons didn't go barefooted. The Father made sure, listen, you're not going to be no slave. You're going to be my son. And those rings were like, you know, MasterCard, <laughs> signet ring. That's how they did. They go go to their and buy stuff, and they had the ring. And they would stick the wing that ring down in wax, you know, wax thing, and had that. Oh, you know, you had access to the wealth, the family wealth. I don't know where the father got it all. He gave it all away. He must have been really a smart daddy. You know, he made a bunch more, but who knows? Um, so you see how God wants to equip us to serve Him. Do you see that? Do you see how God really wants you to see that you really are His son, you really are His daughter? That equips you to serve Him. That is the one revelation that you need. Now, the older brother didn't have that. He had it all, but he didn't have any of it. And that messed him up. Let me give you another little story real quick like here. It's Luke uh, 10. This is a famous and known story. Uh, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. The famous story of Mary and Martha. <laughs> Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now that seems real tame, the way it's read, that Martha, you know, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? That seems tame in the English, like we would go to the Lord. Don't you care, Lord, is what they're doing? But that is not the way the Greek reads. It's a pretty violent thing in the original language. In other words, what it really, the picture, if you understood the degree, understood what they thought this construction this is, it says that she came and took a position over Jesus and demanded of Jesus that he do something about the situation. Demand with anger. See, it's the same thing. Okay? Her sister wasn't doing what she wanted her to do. She was doing all the work. And she got out angry and upset at her sister for just sitting there, you know, socializing with Jesus, talking to him, listening to what he had to say. And because Martha, it says that, you know, Martha was the head of the household here. Because it says that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. You know, biblically, Martha was the top one. She was probably the oldest sister. They didn't probably have a daddy. They had a messed up brother named Lazarus. That about dead, so she was the head of the household. And and that's that was the point. She was the top one. Hey, who's the top one in here this morning? What kind of attitude you got? You know, how many days in the home? What kind of attitude you got? <laughs> really? You see what I'm saying? See, if we don't really understand something about God and how we relate to God, we're going to get messed up. We're going to have an attitude like Martha. We're going to get mad at God. We're going to get mad uh, this younger sister of mine, you know, she's messed up. She should have her hiding in that kitchen working, and she's not. And I'm doing all the work. And it's not right. So I'm mad at her, Lord, and I'm mad at you. Just like the elder brother was mad at God and mad at his brother. It's just a, it is a typical pattern of people who don't understand who they really are. Lord, who am I? You're my son. Who am I? I'm my daddy's son, then that is okay. One more. Here's the parable. Jesus warned us about this in his parables. It's called the... And you know, this is really cool. In Matthew's Gospel, if you, uh, it's the only place that uses the term kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew was sort of the... And it's interesting, uh, just studying the Gospels, that Matthew's Gospel was the first Gospel written and this really was not the first, I mean, not the first one written. It's the first one in order. It wasn't the first one written. The people who learned to know about this stuff said Mark was the first one that was written. But because the Lord in His sovereignty wanted us to see God, Jesus Christ, number one, as what? Who, what does Matthew talk about the most? He talks about the kingdom of heaven. He talks about Christ being king. That was the very first thing that God wanted mankind to understand about Him, about Jesus Christ, that He's the king. And if you read Matthew with that perspective, that Christ is king, just think about that. Next time you read the book of Matthew and keep that in the back of your mind, it will change the way you see the whole book. That's what Matthew is trying to communicate. He's the king. That's why he keeps talking about the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this. He's like 33 times or 34 times he says that. Nobody else says it. Mark doesn't say it. You know, Mark, you know, his thing is Christ is our servant. You know, Luke, Christ is the Son of Man. He's a man. He understands you. He relates to you. He's a, 
You know, and then John, he's you know, he's the son of God. He's the prophet. He's the, you know, you hear what I'm saying? And you know, that's why these things are in the Bible. And you know, that's why we need to understand what when the person was who was writing the books. I'm sort of on a rabbit trail, but it'll change the way you read the Bible if you understand what the writer was trying to communicate. It'll change your whole view. And we need to really understand what God is trying to communicate to us in the Scriptures. So the kingdom of heaven is what Matthew was trying to communicate. Remember the symbols for uh, is the lion. It's the king of beasts. That's Matthew's symbol. Uh, Mark is the, the ox, you know, beast of burden. Uh, Luke is a man, you know, a servant, the priest. And John is the eagle, the prophet, the you know, man in heaven, the son of, the son of God. It's, all those things will profoundly change your way of understanding the Scripture when you begin to see that the Bible was written for specific reasons, with specific purposes in mind, and if we can see that, it'll change when we read it. It'll change. It's like, okay, the sun, the kingdom of heaven is like a lamb on it. Like we do when we read the Bible. Whoa, no, they're trying to tell us something here. It's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, that's what the Lord did. So he went out real early, it says, and met some guys. I mean, we're talking about at daybreak. You guys want to go to work for me? Yes, we'll go to work for you. I'll pay you X amount. Is that cool? Yes, that's cool. So they went, but this guy needed a lot of help in his vineyard. Okay? He needed, so he went all day. All day he kept going back looking for people to work. You know, every two or three hours this guy was back. I need some more help. He's, we're not going to get this thing done. We're not going to get the harvest in. So he kept doing it, kept doing it, and kept doing it. And it says, so then it says, so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard, vineyard said to the vineyard, Okay, vineyard. Anybody know what the vineyard is? It's the vineyard. Okay. Said to a steward, call the laborers and give them their wages. Listen to this. Beginning with the last to the first. So he said, we're going to pay everybody off. It's time to quit. And we're going to take the last guys in here. Guys maybe worth an hour or two. And when those who were hired about the 11th hour, I mean, they're like 30 minutes into the job. And it's time to quit. I mean, those guys get it together. And they each received a denarius. In other words, he gave them a full day's pay. But when the first came, they saw what was happening. Cool. Listen, he paid those rascals a full day. We're going to get about three or four times that much. They were excited. I would have been excited. You know, we're going to really get it, man. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius. Now, can you imagine that? Wait a minute. Whoa! You know, I done worked all day long. And these guys have worked a couple of hours. I've worked 12 hours here. These guys work one or two hours. And they're getting the same thing as me. You've made me equal with them. I did all this. Since when they received, they complained against the landowner, saying, These men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. See what Jesus was trying to say? It's the same thing over and over and over. Okay? They got upset and angry with the landowner and with the other people because the landowner gave these guys who didn't do jack one hour, they worked 12 hours, and he made them equal. And the land, and it goes on and says, listen, I did what I said I was going to do, didn't, didn't I? Didn't I say I would give you this amount of money? Yes. Well, I did it then, so I can do what I want to do. Don said, God ain't fair, but he's good. <laughs> it's the truth. And I think many times we need to learn if we are true sons, okay, then we're not going to have this attitude towards our brothers. 
when the and I heard recently this guy John Paul Jackson the Lord spoke to him about the harvest that's a big important thing right now because God's going to bring a harvest and this is what the Lord said to John Paul Jackson the people most of the laborers most of my laborers who are going to, in my upcoming harvest are not even in the church they're not even saved yet and so what we're going to be facing there's going to be some people that get saved and they're going to be prime laborers in the harvest. And then there's some of us, like Tommy was saying, 35 years, 30 years, follow the Lord, and we're going to see people, God promote people so quick, it's going to be ridiculous. And if we are not right with the landowner, if our hearts are not right with God, if, our, if we're not settled in ourselves, if we're not settled in who we are, then it's going to drive us nuts because we're going to be jealous. And we're going to be angry. And we're going to want division instead of being blessed. Now, that's the truth. And that's what's going to happen to us. And that's what will happen to you and me and all of us if we don't really settle the issue. And the issue is this. Am I your son? Am I your daughter? And once that's settled, I can go out there and work in the field and know it says the same thing. Listen, Byron, everything I got sure. Do you want a party? Have a party, man. Have at it. Anytime you want, man, you can have a party because you're my son. There's nothing special has to happen. And I don't have to get greedy and jealous when I see him bless somebody else or when somebody else doesn't does something they shouldn't do and they don't get the punishment I think they deserve. And that's really a lot of what that's saying is they don't think it was just. God is the one who sets the balance and the scales. He is. Amen? So see your life, not through what you do, okay? But see your life about through who you are in Christ. And you are His son. You are His daughter. And once that gets settled in you, the help, the spiritual help will come in you, and you can very much go and serve God. You can serve Him in a big way, or you can serve Him in a little way, and it's not going to be a, a you know, an issue in your life. Amen. So let's get free this morning. I want anybody here in this room who's a prodigal to stand up right now. You got a prodigal heart. You just just stand up. That's good. Come on, stand up, prodigals. Because I was one of you. I was one of you. I know what it feels like. Okay, anybody in this room who's an elder brother this morning, stand up. Stand up. Let's be truthful with God. We can get free from this stuff this morning. When the Lord began to speak to me, He said, "This is not. This is to set people free. That's what this is for. It's not to give you more information about the Bible and you know." I don't, we don't need any more information. Probably there's people in this room know about more about the Bible than I'll ever know. It's not about getting more information. It's about getting free in Christ. It's about getting rid of the, the, the baggage that's on you. All right, now, one more. Does there anybody in this room, your heart's not settled over the issue of being a son or daughter. You just, you feel like you've got to work for God. You know, you feel like you've got, somehow you've got to please God. Or somehow it just ain't right. And you find yourself in conflict a lot. You find yourself jealous. Why did they get to do that? You know, you know, I did this. I mean, those kind of thoughts, then there's something in you that's not settled about being a son or daughter. If that's you, you please stand up this morning. Because what God wants to do is God wants to remove the yokes and the bondages off of people, the burdens that are from the devil. He wants to, he wants to set captives free. That's what he came for. He wants to heal hearts. That's the word of the Lord is healing and deliverance. Get delivered from all this un- wrong believing. Get set free. Believe the right things. Don't believe like the elder brother. 
So amen. Oh. Lord, we're just going to believe for the power of God right now to come on people. They're standing up. They have just boldly stood up and said, I'm a, I'm a prodigal. I'm a prodigal, Lord. I'm a prodigal. Lord, I'm an elder brother. That's all I am. Lord, I just, I don't really understand. I, I know in my mind I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I just, it's just not real to me, though, Lord. It don't, things just don't seem right in my heart. I don't know you that way, Lord. I've got to know you. Lord, I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray you would dive into their hearts in a bigger way. Show them. Deliver them. Lord, I just pray right now, just your surgical steel of, of the Spirit come and cut open hearts and remove that thing out of the darkness and hurt, Lord Jesus, that many of us carry in. Lord, memories and things that have really blemished us, Lord. Things that just keep nagging at us, Lord. Things people have said that made us feel bad, made us believe wrong, Lord. And we ask you to break the power of every wrist today, Lord. And just heal right now. Just, you know, ask, let the Lord do it. Lord's going to do it. I, I promise you, He is. The Lord will have a healthy army. He won't have a bunch of soldiers that are wounded and beat to death that can't fight the enemy. He'll have you healthy. Lord, I have healthy workers. The Lord takes good care of His workers. The Lord takes real good care of His family. Real good care. Lord, we ask You this morning. We've not really felt at times that we've been taken care of. We felt abandoned and neglected, left out. Lord, we ask You this morning to remove that from us, Lord. Lord, we ask You right now to go into hearts and heal. Touch hearts right now, Holy Spirit. Just go in there and fix all this stuff. Lord. We can't fix it. We can be truthful with you. You said you desire truth in the inward parts. Right now, let the truth have its way. Lord, you said the truth would set us free. Let, it, let, it be, let us be set free. Lord, we know that lies bind us and blind us and cause us to be decrepit, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heal, Lord. Heal. Heal, Holy Spirit. We ask you to heal right now. Just take this moment and let you work in these hearts, memories, just deep down inside. That you'll go after things. And I believe this is what I believe the Lord will do for you over the next few days. If you'll stay after God with us, He will bring things up to your memory <laughs> to surprise you and show you areas in your life that really are, have darkness in them. And He will go and invade those areas if you'll invite Him to. Get rid of all that stuff out of you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask you for every person in this room that you would touch them and heal them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to end. This is what I want to say. That's pretty funny. Last night we went to this movie, and Woman Thou Art Loosed, and that's pretty good. But he was saying, you know, this is sort of the get over it generation, how we tell people to get over it. And I was sort of like, yeah. I think we are sort of gotten that. But people have gotten so messed up and so hurt, so wounded, that some things we just can't get over. Only God can get us over. But I believe the Lord is saying that, I believe He is saying what Becky was saying earlier, there is going to be a real harvest in the earth. There really is going to be a real move of God in the earth. But God wants to heal people and help people so they can do what He has coming. Because it really is a truth. When you go to war, you need to go help them. Sam, you don't need to go in and beat to death. And 
I believe we're living in a time, in a moment of time, where God's releasing healing. I mean, any kind of healing you need, I believe God's releasing it. And I believe God will go to you, you know, through others, other people, or God will go to you on a personal level and speak healing into your life and deliver you of things that you just didn't even know were there. I believe if you will open your heart to Him and give Him that opportunity, He will do it. Because I believe that's what the Father's up to right now on the earth. This is the season we're in. Because there's going to come a season when He's going to, he's going to send a call out into the earth. You know, and, and He's going to bring in the harvest and He's going to say, now, now you need to go heal them. You need to go take care of them. And so, in one sense, we do need to get over it, but it's not just saying get over it. It's letting God get us over it so we can really be equipped to do what God's called us to do, prepared for what lays in front of us in the future. And I believe now's the time to do that. So, Lord, we just say that to you. Do it now in every one of our lives. We open our hearts to you. We open this church to you to say, get us ready for what the future holds, Lord Jesus. And we ask you that in Jesus' name. And we thank you. Amen. So, y'all can go, man. That's my benediction. <laughs> Anybody need prayer for healing? Laying on of hands, sickness, come up here and we will pray for you.